For many Americans, abortion is a matter of deep conviction. Both sides of the debate often find it very difficult to meet with or respect those on the other side. In this episode of Our Take, Bruce and Eric speak about a recent podcast we recorded with two leaders of the pro-choice and pro-life movements. They met privately over six years to talk about abortion. Those discussions were intense and at times very difficult. I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Ashley Miltite. We're co-hosts of the podcast Let's Find Common Ground. Recently, we interviewed the Reverend Anne Fowler and Francis Hogan for episode 84. Both of them were among a group of six women, three from each side, who held talks in secret after two murders at abortion clinics in Massachusetts in the mid-90s. Here are a couple of brief extracts from that show. Can you tell me first, starting with you, Anne, how and why did your meetings begin? They began after the clinic killings in Brookline in 1994 when two Planned Parenthood staffers were killed in two different clinics. After that happened, then Cardinal Law and then Governor Weld asked for a lowering of the rhetoric, a de-escalation of the provocative and sometimes rather violent rhetoric that was happening in the public sphere. We asked them if they were scared as the talks began. I was not scared physically. I was scared that people might think that I was caving on my position on the issue. And I was afraid that that would hurt my movement, my side of the movement, so to speak. And that's part of the reason that at least I think among pro-lifers, we wanted this to be completely confidential. We didn't know what damage it might do to people on the front lines. Eventually, those talks did become public. The six women wrote a newspaper article about them in the Boston Globe. Our podcast with Fran and Anne was the first time that we featured an interview with people from both sides of an issue who did not find common ground. Yeah, and that episode sparked some lively reactions from members of Common Ground Committee. Let's hear more from Eric and Bruce. What were some things said about it? Why did it provoke so many comments and and conversation? One of the the kind of questions about it is, you know, we're Common Ground Committee. And one of the things we point out about that episode is that that they did not find common ground. And, of course, the kind of implication from that is that it was a failure because common ground was not found. But one of the things we are very adamant about is that we don't demand that common ground be found. We don't think common ground will be found on every item all the time. And the issue of abortion is one that is particularly difficult to find common ground on because the stance that both sides take on it are such strong and personally unmovable stances. And as a result, it's very hard to find common ground. But the aspect of finding common ground and and one of the important elements about seeking common ground is the process of listening to one another, of taking each other seriously, taking each other's positions very seriously, and willing to appreciate one another's perspectives. And you can still not agree with the perspective and you can still 
be very much in disagreement about the principles or the rationale or any of those things. But as long as you continue to take people seriously and have some measure of empathy for their feelings, then the process of trying to find common ground is maximized. Bruce? Yeah, I'd add to that a couple things. First of all, when it comes to the common ground question, it depends on what question you're asking. Did they find common ground on the abortion issue itself? No, but the reason they were together was to respond, address, whatever the right word is, to the shootings, to the fact that there were staffers that were killed. But what to do about it was where they did find common ground and they put that op-ed together. And I, I think something that's noteworthy is that, you know, when they did that, went to a press conference thinking nobody would show up and it was packed. And I think what Eric is alluding to is, you know, so we have sort of a two-prong approach to this problem. There's polarization itself, but there's also the way in which the debate takes place. And so we focus on incivility, trying to address the incivility question. And to Eric's point, you know, this was a situation where on and trying to find a response to the killings, they went from all sorts of preconceived notions about the other side to a point where they develop relationships and friendships so that the civility question had been addressed fully. And that that in itself is progress. The other thing I'd say is that we're big believers on not compromising principles. People talk about, you know, the problem with common ground is you, is you have to compromise. Sure, you may have to compromise tactics and you may have to compromise strategies, but we are huge advocates. You cannot compromise your principles. And an issue like abortion is principle-based. It's not strategy-based. You know, people say that, you know, a lot of these issues, you know, everybody wants the same result. They disagree on how to get there. This issue is not like that. This is a fundamental issue about principles, the life of the unborn and reproductive rights. Those are two very profound, deeply held principles that are mutually exclusive. And so it's a situation where people of, of good heart and good mind are gonna disagree and the strategy and tactics, you can't even get there till you can reach some ground on the principles and you're just not, you're just not gonna do that. So I think those dynamics played into this situation. You're listening to Bruce and Eric, co-founders of Common Ground Committee on Our Take. In a moment, we'll share more. But first, a quick word about the documentary film, The Abortion Talks. It's a video that features our podcast guests, Fran Hogan and Ann Fowler, among others. And as we've mentioned, we spoke to both of them on episode 84 of Let's Find Common Ground. You're invited to Common Ground Committee's special online free screening of the film. To give you some background, in the aftermath of murders at two Boston-area clinics in the 1990s, leaders from opposing sides of the abortion debate met together in secret talks. None of the participants would change their minds, but the dialogues did change their lives. Sign up today at commongroundcommittee.org to get access to the film between August 5th and August 12th. You can also learn about the film's conversation guide. Now back to Eric and Bruce. Did anything particularly surprise you about what either of the women said? It didn't surprise me so much as it reinforced one of the 
of our understandings about the problems that are being generated by polarization. And that was when Ann Fowler was asked the question of what surprised you about the women that you were meeting with and that she said that they were smart. But it was kind of humorous because she said it in kind of a, a laughing and surprised way. That does encapsulate a significant impediment to working with, together with people is that you preconceive things about them before the meeting comes. And so we've had this experience uh, in, in several of our recent uh, forum events where people are meeting with uh, other individuals who are on the opposite side of an issue that they're talking about. One of the first things they mention about that interaction is that they're very surprised at how reasonable and pleasant and et cetera are the people that they're talking to because they have this preconceived notion that if they don't agree with me, then they must be bad people. And when the stage is set for a conversation that's a conversation and not a debate, then you have the opportunity of genuinely listening to someone and seeing that they are sincere, they are intelligent, they have reasons and so forth for what they're doing, and they're not irrational reasons. And that often surprises people because they can't conceive of the fact that a rational person would have an, an argument that's different than their own. Bruce, just getting back to that first point that they didn't find common ground, not only did they not find common ground on the abortion question, I don't think they moved one inch when it came to their views on the issue. But what you seem to be pointing to is that part of the whole process of finding common ground is about respect and about the ability to listen to the other side and really understand them much more clearly than you did in the past. That did happen in these talks, didn't it? It did happen. And I think one of the more interesting elements of that process that got them there was that they had to they, they had to throw a, throw out a lot of the vocabulary they'd been using. That was a really interesting exercise that the facilitator took them through to, if you will, find common ground on the terms, the terminology that they could use so they wouldn't trigger people. And so that now you wouldn't have these hiccups along the way where people would, would say, you know, I reject that because of the terminology that was used. That it was a bit of an aha moment where they're like, yeah, you know, if I'm gonna really understand somebody, it would be helpful for me to understand if there are unforced errors that I'm making just because of the words I'm used to using. This podcast episode of Let's Find Common Ground that we're talking about here provoked a range of responses. Uh, one of them was a message that it might possibly send about our own conversations with family members and friends who we disagree with. Bruce. They had facilitators a professional facilitator come in and work with them on this. And uh, there was concern expressed amongst our staff that we might be sending the message that if you're gonna find common ground, you better get a facilitator. And that's really the way through. And I would just encourage people not to assume that. There are some situations. I mean, these folks, for example, one of the reasons it was necessary is the folks in this conversation, they were the leaders in their different movements. And so they had a real risk of their own people turning on them. 
and, and thereby setting back their positions. And yet the governor of the state, William Weld and, and Cardinal Law of the Catholic Church, had said, we need you guys to help us prevent this kind of thing from happening again. So the stakes were really high here. This is about saving lives. This was not about, you know, can we agree on policy? It was about saving lives. And so they pulled out all the stops, made sure that they were putting themselves in the best position to be successful. That is, if you will, kind of an extreme situation in a sense. For 99% of the issues that regular citizens are going to be working through, those conditions don't apply. And uh, we just emphasize that, you know, you don't, don't get caught in the trap of thinking, I have to have, you know, a mediator come in and help me out on this kind of thing. Are there lessons that other groups who are very much opposed or people can take from these women's experience, do you think? We can learn from this that if you sit down and listen to someone and have some sense of willingness to engage in a conversation and to engage sincerely in a conversation, that's a value to everyone to know. This is why when people talk about the difficulty of finding common ground or dealing with polarization and so forth, I look at a conversation like this, you know, a similar one that we've talked about in the past is the is uh, how Daryl Davis does his work as an African-American musician uh, meeting with leaders of the Ku Klux Klan. Nothing's really impossible as long as you maintain a sense of civility and a sense of sincerity and try and listen to the other person and try and understand them. That's what's required to engage. I would add that the key is the humanization part. We heard this from the women. They, they went in, they didn't use this terminology, but they were thinking, these folks I'm going to be sitting with are from a different tribe. And by definition, that's, that's an impersonal kind of view, right? Looking at it through an impersonal lens, because it's just easier to do that. Once you really get to know somebody, it's hard to hate them. A key to it was they began to see each other as good people. Different opinions, but good people. I forget which, which of, the, of the two women made the comment, but she said she would trust any of the women involved with her, with her life. That was Anne, yeah. And what that tells you is that she saw them all as good people that she could trust. She's not gonna agree with them, but she trusted them. And that's, that's huge. I mean, just kind of bringing this up a level to you know national policy and that kind of thing, and what goes in, on in Congress and, you know, there's so much concern about what's going on there and the, the polarization that exists. And we are certainly working, doing our part to help change that. But regardless of how you look at it, this notion of looking at someone as another human being who is well-meaning, but maybe very different from you, just changes the whole tone. My bet is that there are gonna be people who are gonna listen to that podcast. They're gonna, are going to identify with both women and are gonna respect both women even though they may feel at the bottom of their hearts that one of them is dead wrong on the issue. And that's part of the healing process that we're trying to bring about a Common Ground Committee. It's a game changer in the way we think about how we interact with people. Bruce Bond with Eric Olson on Our Take. Ideas and opinions from the co-founders of Common Ground Committee. Find more episodes of Our Take and Let's Find Common Ground at our website commongroundcommittee.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.